Some of us may have came in with heartache this morning, and I'll say, silly Christian, it may just be empty. may need to allow the Holy Spirit to put something in it. Identity theft. I, y'all, most of y'all know my career path and the things I do. So I want to talk a few minutes about identity theft. Identity theft in America is, is not a new crime uh, at all, but the people affected by identity theft is growing and growing and growing. In 2017, uh, over 16.7 million individuals were affected by stolen identity to the tune of about $16.9 billion. One out of every 15 uh, people uh, will be affected by identity theft. One out of every 15. Every two seconds, somebody in this world is a victim of identity theft. And the sad thing is that it takes most victims about three months to realize that their identity has been stolen. But unfortunately, about 16% of all identities that are stolen takes three years for them to realize it. Three years. And not only are individuals losing their identity, uh, losing money due to their identity theft, but they're also losing uh, their freedom. A lady in uh, New Mexico, Joy Morales, uh, she had a little heavy foot, and so she got pulled over for speeding. And when the officers ran her driver's license to make sure uh, she was good to be driving, they found out she had a warrant out of Arizona on the charge of aggravated drunk driving where she did not appear for court. Miss Morales told the officers, begged and pleaded, said, I- I've never been arrested for drunk driving. I've-, I've never been pulled over in the state of Arizona. But the officer did his job because we get lied to all the time. And so he took her to jail like he was supposed to do. Miss Morales got extradited from New Mexico back to Arizona on this charge, and 49 days later, after sitting in jail, it was determined her identity had been stolen. So we can lose money and we can lose freedom. Uh, The Federal Trade Commission and and companies like uh, LifeLock, they exist in part uh, to help individuals uh, keep their identity from being stolen. They exist to uh, help individuals whose identity uh, has been stolen. I've taken a look at their strategies and and how they help people, and I've come up with five different steps uh, that I wanted to share with you just in case your identity may be ever stolen. Five steps on how to deal uh, with stolen identity. One, uh, detect and realize that your identity has been stolen. That seems, duh, yeah. I guess I need to know it's stolen before I know it's stolen. That makes sense. Uh, But if you don't know your uh, credit card information has been stolen for two weeks, imagine how much money you could lose. Uh, Number two, they say to alert anyone who can help minimize the damage. So uh, you want to call your credit card company. You want to call the credit reporting agencies. And you want to call the uh, law enforcement agency to help you uh, recover your identity. Number three, uh, close any accounts that have been compromised or created under a false basis in your name. That's common sense, right? If somebody opened up an account in your name, well, let's just close it out. We don't need that. Number four, take control of your identity and change the things that you can. Things like passwords and logins and and, and information to help you uh, that you can change. And number five, uh, stay alert and realize that it can happen again. 
We have to pay attention to our identity. These simple five steps, uh, they can help you protect, protect your personal identity. And I'm thankful uh, to have been able to share them with you today. But uh, what I came here for today is to spend some time uh, talking about uh, spiritual identity theft. Father, I pray, God, as these next few moments pass, Lord, that uh, not a word will come out of my mouth, Father, that's not directed by you. God, I pray that uh, there are people here uh, with open hearts, Lord, to what it is uh, you've brought to fill their heart up, Father. Lord, I pray if we've got any distractions in our hands, Lord, uh, any distractions on our mind, Father, that we'll put them aside uh, long enough to hear what you've got to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Satan's first place of attack, his very first place of attack, we find in Genesis chapter 3. We find that in the Garden of Eden. His first place of attack was on Adam, and his method of attack was to steal his identity. The very first thing he chose uh, to do there. Satan used the serpent. You all remember the story, but if not, I'll just kind of go through it. Satan used the serpent uh, to trick Adam and uh, Eve into believing uh, that God had selfish motives for not allowing them to eat from the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Uh, like a modern-day con artist or a hacker, uh, Satan's actions were motivated by discontent and jealousy and envy. His tactics were based in lies and pretense and deception. His goal was simple, to destroy the confidence that Adam had in God as their identity as children of the Most High God. Because they believed Satan's lies more than God's promises. They disobeyed God. They ate from that tree of knowledge and good and evil. And the whole uh, world has been changed because of that. And that one act of disobedience, uh, the fate of mankind was changed forever. All the ladies say amen. The first time in the New Testament we see Satan attacking. Satan attacked the identity of Jesus. But he messed up this time. He made a mistake. You see, in Matthew chapter 3, uh, towards the end of the chapter, uh, we find um, John the Baptist uh, baptizing people in the river. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears on the scene, right? And Jesus uh, goes down, and is, after a discussion, after a little dialogue with John, he's baptized and proclaimed to be the Son of, my God, uh, the Son of God. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Just right after that, just flip the page. Matthew chapter 4, uh, Jesus is led uh, into the wilderness uh, to be tempted uh, by Satan. After Jesus had fasted uh, for 40 days, he was tired. He was weary. Uh, he had to be hungry. And Satan appeared to him and thought, hmm, now's a good time. Let me attack his identity. And so he said uh, to Jesus, he said, If thou be the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. Surely you're hungry. And if you're the Son of God, then you can do that. Jesus hit him back with Scripture. Satan then said, Okay, 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 if that won't work, if thou be the Son of God, why don't you jump off this temple? Because if you are, the angels will swoop down and save you. Jesus again hit him with Scripture. And finally, he said, if you will only worship me, I'll give you everything you can see, all the kingdoms of the world. 
You see, Satan was trying to question the identity of our Lord and Savior. But unlike Adam and Eve, uh, he was confident in his identity. He didn't fall uh, for the tricks of Satan. And I want to tell you this morning that Satan is as alive and well today as he was in Genesis and as he was in Matthew. And he's still here doing what Jesus said he was doing in John 10.10. The thief cometh not before to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And that's what he's here trying to do today. You see, Satan, Satan can't create anything. Only God can create. And so Satan likes to take what God has created uh, for good and pervert it or distort it or destroy it. That's what Satan chooses to do. You see, Satan, he's nowhere near as powerful as our God. And so he knows he can't attack God, and so he chooses to go after God's kids. Here's the thing. You want to hurt me? Say what you want to about me. You want to hurt me? You go after uh, Bryce. You want to hurt me? Go after one of these right here. And Satan understands that about us too. Satan knows if he can keep you from being you. If he can keep you from being uh, who God created you to be. If he can hide your true identity. If he can distort your identity or pervert it or destroy it. Then he is succeeding at hurting God. That's how he sees it. And just like he did with Adam and Eve. I want to give you a definition of spiritual identity theft. Spiritual identity theft is the process that Satan goes through to influence you with a mindset that then gives him control over every part of you that he can use for his glory instead of God's glory. I'm going to say that one more time. Uh, uh, spiritual identity, identity theft the process that Satan goes through uh, to influence you with a mindset that then gives him control over every part of you, over your hands, over your lips, over your thoughts, over your dreams, over your emotions. And then he takes that and uses it for his glory instead of God's. How is it, uh, you ask, that Satan keeps you from knowing your true identity? Number one, uh, Satan keeps you from knowing your true identity uh, by the opinions of others. Your parents, your co-workers, your classmates, your brothers, your sisters, people that like you, people that don't like you, have spent their entire life uh, saying things about you. Some of those things are true, some of those things are good, some of those things are false, and some of them are bad. But either way, the opinions of other people about you are expressed to you in order uh, to change their image of you and make you believe the same way. If you tell your child, man, you're doing such a good job, I'm so proud of you for doing good in school, you're trying to put that in their mind. It's your opinion of them. All your life, people have tried to get you who they wanted you to be instead of who God wanted you to be by their opinion of you. And Satan uses those opinions of others to keep you from being the true you. Number two, uh, Satan uses pain and hurt uh, to deceive you from knowing your true identity. You see, if Satan can keep you angry, if he can keep you bitter, if he can, if he can keep you uh, guilty or ashamed... He knows uh, that he can keep you from knowing your true identity. And number three, uh, Satan uses media and culture to steer your true identity. All around you 
or messages and images uh, through social media or TV or news telling you how you should look, how you should dress, how much money you should have in the bank, who you should hang out with and who you shouldn't, what team you should like and not like, uh, all these things uh, so you cannot be the unique you that God created you to be, but the, so you can be like everybody else in this world. And may I remind you that 2 Corinthians 6, 17 says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be you separate from the world. Number four, uh, Satan puts thoughts in our minds. Uh, now, sure, we control our own thoughts. We can control uh, uh, the things that are in our minds sometimes. Uh, but the Internet, the materials we read, pe things people say, all put thoughts in our mind at some point or another. Another preacher said it like this. He said, when God puts something in your mind, it's called inspiration. When Satan puts something in your mind, it's called temptation. And when I put something in my own mind, it's called uh, stupidity. <laughs> and I believe that. And my wife believes that too. <laughs> and I think you've probably had some thoughts in your mind uh, that you could say the same thing. You see, I can put thoughts in your mind. I'm putting thoughts in your mind right now. Other people can put thoughts in your mind. God can put thoughts in your mind. Satan can put thoughts in your mind. But at the end of the day, it's up to you what thoughts you hold on to and which ones you let go. You have to be able to separate those things. You see, Satan wants to steal your identity. Uh, so Satan's going to say things to you like, you have to earn God's acceptance in order to be loved by him. You have to earn that, and you're not working hard enough to earn that. Satan may say, uh, you don't matter. Uh, you're not important. As a matter of fact, you're worthless. You are just plain uh, worthless. Satan may say, you know that, that sin you committed? God ain't going to forgive you of that one. Come on. God's not going to forgive you of that sin. You should be ashamed of yourself. Let me remind you uh, today that all shame comes from Satan and not God. John 3.17 tells us that God came to this world not to condemn it, but to save it. Satan never told anybody, uh, you can never do anything right. Everything you do, you mess up. You just can't do it. But let me share with you the number one thing that Satan does to steal your identity. The number one thing Satan does to steal your identity is gets you to repeat the things he's put in your mind. Satan only has to tell you one time and then you just sit there and mull over it and stir over it and you keep repeating it to yourself over and over and over and over again. I'll never do this. I can't do this. I should be ashamed of myself. God will never accept me. I'm a terrible person. Satan has allowed you to make this part of your identity, who you are. If you continue to believe that you are worthless, then it's going to be very, very, very hard to worship a God that thought you were worth dying for. You're not worthless. If all these things, the things my parents say, uh, the things my friends say, my anger, my bitterness, the way the world wants to come in and change me, uh, all of these things want to come in, fogging up who I really am. What is my true identity? How can I figure that out? Because I got all these things that are messing me up. A 17th century philosopher, his name was Blaise Pascal. Here's what Blaise had to say about our true identity. He said, not only do we know God through Jesus Christ, 
But we only know ourselves through Jesus Christ. We only know life and death through Jesus Christ. Apart from Jesus, we cannot know the meaning of life, the meaning of our death, the meaning of God, or the meaning of ourselves. It is only in Christ. Smart man. I like this quote. I, I, I really, 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 really like the last two words of this quote, in Christ. Because it's only in Christ that we will find our true identity. To have your identity in Christ, uh, it means simply that you're placing your confidence for life and eternity in the Lord Jesus Christ. To, to live in Christ uh, means that you're learning to do all you do for God and not yourself. It means you're every day being formed into the image uh, that God created you to be because uh, you want other people to see Jesus in you, living in Christ. In Christ is a key phrase in the New Testament. In Paul's epistles alone, we see the, uh, the phrase in Christ, in Him, capital H, or in the Lord over 160 times. We find the word Christian three times in the New Testament. Uh, but I would like to say these are sort of synonyms. If we see in Christ, we can assume that that's a Christian term. Paul reminds us of our identity 160 times. That's amazing to me. It's amazing to me that he does that. And if you don't mind, I just want to share a few of those characteristics of who you are in Christ uh, just to remind you uh, that, uh, from Romans, uh, there is no condemnation for us in Christ. Uh, we can never be separated from God's love in Christ. Uh, we who are many form one body in Christ. From First and Second Corinthians, we have wisdom from God in Christ. Our labor is not in vain in Christ. Uh, we are a new creation in Christ. Y'all hear what I'm telling you this morning? Uh, from Galatians, uh, we become God's children in Christ. Uh, from Ephesians, uh, we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. We have the forgiveness of sins in Christ. Uh, we were also chosen in Christ. Uh, we are for the praise of His glory. Uh, we've been seated in heavenly places in Christ. I like that one. Uh, we've been given the incomparable riches of God's grace. Uh, we, who were once far away, are now near. I like that. Uh, we are built together as a holy building. Uh, in Christ, we are light. From Philippians, our joy overflows in Christ. Uh, all our needs are met according to His riches and glory. Uh, from Colossians, we are holy and faithful in Christ. All, all things hold together in Christ. Uh, we have our hope of glory in Christ, and we become fully mature in Christ. And from uh, 1 Thessalonians, we will rise from the dead in Christ. We can give thanks in all circumstances, all circumstances in Christ. From 1 and 2 Timothy, we have faith, hope, and love in Christ. And we can gain an excellent standing and great assurance in Christ, and we have the promise of life in Christ. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ. If you're saved today, uh, you should be shouting the victory uh, because your identity is not in who your mama and daddy says you are. Or your identity is not in who uh, President Trump says you are. Or your identity is not in who your spouse says you are or your classmates say you are or who I say you are. Or your identity is in Christ alone. It's God Almighty uh, that says you are enough. And if God says that, it should make Satan uh, flee quick, fast, and in a hurry. Yes. Run, devil, runs. all I got to say, because we live in Christ. Amen. We need a reminder that that's where we live. So I've told you uh, this morning about the first identity theft. I've told you about that attempt to steal the identity of our Savior. 
I've told you how uh, Satan uh, will try and steal your identity, and I've told you who your true identity is in Christ, at least partially. Now, what I haven't told you is what to do when your identity is stolen, when your spiritual identity has been stolen. Remember at the beginning of this message, I said the Federal Trade Commission and companies like LifeLock exist in part to help individuals identify their identity has been stolen. And the Federal Trade Commission and LifeLock gave us five steps. This is good. Y'all don't get this yet, but it's good. <laughs> and the five steps were detect and realize your identity has been stolen. Alert anyone who can minimize the damage. Close any accounts that have been compromised or created under a false basis in your name. Uh, take control of your identity and change the things that you can and stay alert and realize that it can happen again. I bet the Federal Trade Commission never realized they were writing a sermon straight from the Word of God. They never realized that. So let me give you five steps right quick on how to deal uh, with your stolen uh, spiritual identity. Number one, uh, you need to detect and realize uh, that your identity has been stolen. First Peter uh, chapter 5 and verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaming lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Satan is after you. You have to know that you need to be on the lookout for his attacks. There's some clues on detecting if your spiritual identity has been stolen. Number one, if you shout in church and you praise God and you're up jumping over pews and stuff and, and singing and then you leave here and go to Burger King and you're rude to the lady at the counter, <laughs> your spiritual identity may have been stolen. If you're involved with ministries of this church and you're just real active and doing everything you can, uh, but then you go to work and you do every single cotton-picking thing you can do to fit in with that worldly crowd that you work with, uh, there's a good chance your identity may have been stolen. And if you know God has called you to do something more, God has burdened you with a ministry or with a heart to get up and do something awesome for Him, and you say, God, can't use somebody like me because I, I just, I'm ashamed. I just can't do it. Your identity spiritually may have been stolen. You have to come to a point of realization in your life uh, that looking through that spiritual mirror, that's not who I am. That's not who God says I am. Number two, alert anyone. <laughs> alert anyone who can help minimize the damage. David uh, was running from Saul. Saul was chasing David, uh, trying to kill him over in Psalm chapter 18, uh, starting in verse 3. Uh, David said, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. Uh, the sorrows of death compassed me, and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. Uh, the sorrows of hell uh, uh, compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord, and I cried unto my God. He cried unto his God. April sang, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, hear my cry. And she didn't even know I was preaching this morning, and I didn't even know she was singing this morning. 
He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him, even into his ears. And this is where it gets good. Then the earth shook and trembled. Uh, the foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken because he was wroth. There went up a smoke out of his nostrils and fire out of his mouth devoured. Uh, coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down, and darkness was under his feet. David said in these verses, he cried unto God. He was in a mess. He knew he was in a mess. And he knew that he needed to get uh, the attention of God. Uh, let me remind you, uh, being all fancy and stuff goes out the window when you're in a mess. Being all, uh, all proper and sophisticated and spiritual is the last thing on your mind uh, when you're in a mess. And David knew uh, he was in a mess. David knew this was not a time for, now I'll lay me down to sleep. I pray, dear Lord, my soul to keep. He knew this was not the time for this. He cried. The Bible says he cried unto God. When you're in a mess, you don't care who's listening. People say, well, I just, you know, I, I think my prayer's private. And I like to just pray to myself. And, you know, I don't like to get all loud and stuff. And I just, well, it ain't got bad enough yet, that's all I can say to you. It ain't got bad enough because when it gets bad enough, uh, you don't care who's listening. Uh, you don't care who's making fun of you. You don't care that you sling and snot five different directions. You don't care what the world says because now you are finally desperate for God. And let me remind you, God wants you to be desperate uh, for Him. If Amber and I are asleep at night and Daphne, our dog, I called her a dog, I'm sorry, she's a dog. If our dog needs to go potty, she'll tap me. Three o'clock in the morning, don't matter. Baby, baby, Daphne needs to go potty. And so I'll get up and groggy and mean and I'll go take Daphne to potty. But if somebody's beating down my door, it ain't no baby, baby, it's get up! There's somebody coming in! Sometimes we just need to cry, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. My identity in you has been stolen. Satan has taken it from me. That rape, that molestation, it stole my identity. That adultery stole my identity. That divorce, it stole my identity. Those drugs, that alcohol, it stole my identity. That pornography has stolen my identity. The thing Satan says about me has came into my life so bad and has stolen my identity. It's putting thoughts in my mind. God, I need my true identity back. Sometimes we need to cry out to God. Sometimes we need to pray and alert anyone who can minimize the damage. There's only one that can minimize that damage. Now, number three, we need to close any accounts that have been compromised or created under a false basis in your name. Oh, Romans chapter 16 and verse 17 and 18 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they are uh, uh, that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Oh, we all have some things in our life, uh, some accounts that we need to shut down. It may be that those areas of fakeness in your life, 
Those areas of fakeness where you act like one person in church, but you round the corner in Walmart and you see Pastor Yates and you're like, oh. Those areas of fakeness where you want to act like uh, a, a child of God here at church or uh, different places, but you get out in the world and act like the world, uh, we may need to close those accounts. Uh, there are some friendships that we need to shut down. Here's the truth. If your friends aren't building you up, they're tearing you down and you need to shut it down. They're doing one or the other to you. There are some habits that need to be shut down. We have habits we need to get rid of. Things that we do outside of the will of God thinking, oh, they're not hurting anyone. I mean, it's just something I do on my own. Uh, well, they're hurting you and they're hurting uh, your testimony. Some of those things just need to be shut down. The number four, the Federal Trade Commission preaches that uh, take control of your identity and change uh, the things uh, that you can. First Corinthians chapter 6, a very familiar scripture. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Uh, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, uh, which are God's. Some things you can change. Oh, you can change what goes in your mouth. Alcohol, drugs, or like I've realized lately, too much food. I've taken some strides the last few months and trying to make a difference in that. Realizing that I need to change some things. Oh, so you can change what goes in your mouth, but guess what? You can also change what comes out of your mouth. We can all uh, use a lesson in changing uh, some things uh, that come out of our mouth. Some of those things, nobody in Christ would be saved. And we all know that. You can change what goes in your ears. Right? You don't have to listen to that filthy music anymore. You don't have to listen to that filthy language. Hey, guess what, men? It worked. You don't have to listen to those dirty jokes. Because in Christ, you can boldly say, I'm not listening to that junk. That's not coming in my body. Save it for somebody else. You can change what comes in your ears. You can change what goes in your eyes. Now listen, Pastor Yancey is, and I'll say this in front of his wife, he is not some high and mighty man that's above anybody in this church. But let me ask you this question. Would you watch that movie if he was over visiting? Would you pull up that internet site if your child was sitting in your lap? Well, why do we do it when Jesus is walking every step with us? Every step we take, he's right there with us. And we still choose to do those things. I'm, I'm not a biological father. I've not raised a child from birth. But I'm, I've worked with kids long enough to know this. If you have to say, uh, no, go away, Junior, this is for adults. If you have to say, uh, go away, Junior, you don't need to listen to this, you don't need to watch this, guess what? You shouldn't be doing it either. We need to take control of our identity and change the things we can. Lastly, uh, we need to stay alert. Stay alert and realize uh, that it can happen again. Uh, Paul was nearing his death uh, over in... Uh, in 2 Timothy, and he was talking to Timothy about sticking to his faith. And here's some instructions that Paul uh, gave Timothy. He said, but watch thou in all things, 
endure afflictions, uh, do the work of an evangelist, and make full proof of thy ministry. You have to constantly be on alert for signs of things that may be trying to steal uh, your spiritual identity. And the best way to do that, pay close attention to your surroundings. Watch in all things. The best way to do that is understand that pain sometimes only comes to make you stronger. Endure those afflictions. And number three, uh, tell others about the Jesus you serve. If he's so great and so mighty and how great is our God, then why are we not telling other people about him? Do the work of an evangelist. I'm not saying you're a preacher or a pastor. Uh, you may or may not be, but you're still called uh, to share the love of Jesus with other people. Amen. And make sure, make dead sure your testimony is never called into question. It takes years to build a testimony and about 1.2 seconds to destroy it. Make full proof. If we stay focused on those things, we're going to lessen the chances of our identity being stolen. And I'm done. I don't know where you are today. I really have no idea where you are with your identity in Christ. Now, I hope you have a strong, strong confidence in your identity. I hope that you understand completely who you are in Christ. I hope the devil hasn't been able to weasel his way into your life. And take control of your identity and what belongs to God. But I also know there's a lot of hurting people in here today. Amen. Uh, there's a whole lot of people uh, in here who've been told who they wouldn't and would be in their life. And their goal is to make a difference and say that ain't true. Uh, there's a whole lot of people in here uh, who are bitter and angry and ashamed. And there's a whole lot of people... Uh, who are letting the culture that they live in dictate who they are by the way they act. There are a lot of people in here who have thoughts that have trapped their mind and have them wrapped up into believing something about themselves uh, that just isn't true. I don't know uh, where you are today, but there are a lot of people probably in this room who have allowed those things that Satan says about your identity to be an anthem for your life. You wake up and go to sleep by who the devil says you are. You don't have to do that. Your true identity is in Christ. And he lets you know over 160 times just in the New Testament. The altar's open as it always is. I, I don't know where your heart is this morning. I don't know uh, how your identity has been affected. Uh, but I do know right now is good a chance as any to alert anyone who can minimize the damage. And our Savior is that one who can minimize that damage and turn it around. Maybe you're confident in your identity. Man, you're just, you got your identity wrapped up good. But maybe you know somebody in your family who's lost their spiritual identity. Maybe you want to come and pray for them this morning. Maybe you want to come and, 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 and plead to God on their behalf. 